Before the kids leave, just one second, I just wanted to pray for Aaron and Russ and the happy birthday Jesus and the um, Christmas production play, uh, the 19th of December. Uh, This is really cool stuff, guys, and we need to get behind it in prayer and do whatever we can to make sure it's excellent, okay? And then I just want to throw this in parenthetically. At the beginning of next year, I plan on putting a team together. We've got to figure out how to, from birth till these kids are 18, they are trained to be great and mighty, soul-winning, disciple-making Christians. Um, too many, listen, our kids are going out, some of them are going to universities, and these universities are cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, Jack. And the bottom line is we need to make sure that these kids have the wherewithal to make proper decisions. And, and uh, I don't feel like I've done my job in that. Uh, but um, let me pray for them real quick. Father, I pray uh, for Russ and this whole um, happy birthday Jesus. We're looking for three, 400 kids and their families to come through here in those three hours. And I pray in the name of Jesus Christ for your presence, your wooing, your drawing. Most of all, I pray that everybody would have fun. But most important, that they would know when they leave what Christmas is really all about. Bless him, Lord. Bless Russ and his leadership and everybody coming around him. And I pray for Aaron and those coming around her. Uh, People have talked about doing some kind of play or whatever, but we're doing it. And I pray for Aaron. I pray for everybody's helping her. I pray for these kids. Um, I pray, Heavenly Father, that you would bless them and use them mightily. And this would just be a planting of a seed for the great things you want to do through our children and youth in the future. Bless them, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. I'm sorry, you may go. The children may go unless you want to stay and listen to me preach. I wouldn't want to either. You that are staying, please turn to the book of Judges, chapter 2. Do get involved. Um, Come, help. Um, We'll have enough hot dogs for five, six hundred people, so there'll be plenty to eat. Um, but we just want this to be a great time where we reach out, we touch our community, we invite our community, we bless our community, um, both the community here at Riverview Christian Early Learning Center and the community at large. And uh, so, um, yeah, um, so very, very important. And then if we come together on that Sunday before uh, Christmas, I just think it's going to be really cool to um, uh, see our kids do something special. And, um, you know, we just want to pray that it just um, is excellent and um, as um, Broadway-esque as possible. No, I'm just kidding. But um, that it would just be wonderful and it just, it really would be something that wouldn't be neat in five years where we have to rent um, Santander or something to do something with our kids and our youth and stuff like that. Wouldn't it be cool? Um, I know I'm a nut, but I enjoy being a nut. So as we get into our focus this morning... Um, I just want to kind of go back and start back about um, uh, Genesis 50. You could stay in in, uh, Judges 2, but I want to make sure anybody who doesn't know the stories and the characters involved here, uh, what happened. Back in Genesis 50, um, there was a a guy named Joseph, and, and Joseph was sold by his brothers into slavery, if you remember that story. And, and he, uh, uh, is, is, is sold into slavery, then it becomes Potiphar's then he becomes Potiphar's um, um, 
head, head person in charge, then his wife accuses him of something, and then he ends up in jail. And so you can kind of run yourself through that story and go, oh, that sounds like a good time. Um, but in the end, God gives him a prophetic mind to be able to interpret the dream of the Pharaoh. And so they go through seven years of good and they save lots of corn and oats and barley and whatever else they ate back then. And then they had all this in, the, in store and, and God uses that because uh, the people all over the world have to come and, and get that. And, and Joseph, who had been a slave and in jail, is now second in charge of the largest um, 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 kingdom in the world. And uh, what a great thing. And Joseph's family comes down and he gets, his brothers were scared to death because they're the ones that sold him into slavery. And he, and he looks at them and says, listen, guys, you don't understand. God knew exactly what he was doing. I may not understand why he did it that way. If he would have asked me, I probably could have come up with a better methodology and timeline. But the reality is he knew what he was doing. So you've got that. Then, then after a few generations, all of a sudden people forgot who Joseph was. But the Israelites are still stuck in Egypt. And they get kind of nervous about these people because they begin to... Um, um, reproduce very quickly <laughs> and they become a large crowd in all of this and um, they, 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 you know, start to make them slaves once again and they're crying out to God. They were there, I mean, we're not talking 20 years, we're talking 400 years. <laughs> Anybody get it? 400 years. And they're crying out to God. And so God decides what I'm going to do is I'm going to do, talk to this dude that grew up in Pharaoh's family. And now he's wanted for murder back in Egypt. And I'm going to send him back to Egypt to deliver my people from the land of Egypt. Any of y'all ever wonder about God's ways? You understand what I'm saying? You say, well... Are, are, are you bashing God? No, what I'm trying to help you to see is lots of times the way God works in our lives seems a little weird. Anybody else ever had that? You're like, seriously? You know? And so understand, it's okay when he works weird because he knows what he's doing and it's just weird to us. It's not weird to him. That makes sense? All right? So Moses goes and they go through this whole rigmarole of Moses saying, I'm going to put, God's going to put curses on you if you don't let my people go. They go through this whole thing. Finally, the people are so tired of Moses and the Israelites, they actually send them away and give them stuff to go. Wow. You mean, even though my life seems like a mess now, God may know what he's doing and may get me where I need to be? Yes. Yes. You mean God can set me free from what seems like slavery to me in my life now? Yes. Okay. Very, very important. God gets them there and, and Moses is leading them out and they're just grumbling the whole time. Aren't you so glad you never grumble? Huh? And they are, they're just rumbling every, oh. I love this one. They got so frustrated 
because God wasn't doing everything exactly when and how they wanted it done. They were going to vote them in a leader to lead them back to slavery. Aren't you so glad we're not like that? Huh? Somebody wake up and realize I'm talking to all of us. We all do these sort of things. It's called being a human. But the reality is we do it. And let me help you understand something. When we grumble and when we complain and we do our own thing and we're not obedient, I want you to understand something. God does not overlook that. I know that most of the church teaches, well, it's okay. God understands your sin. God understands your sin, but he died and rose again to set you free from it, not so you can live in it. Okay? And we've got to get this, guys. We've got to get this. Because listen to me. Sin is killing us. Sin is death. Sin is destruction. Sin is the reason we got messes in our lives. And sin is keeping us in them. Because we really won't relinquish control to him. Because we want to make sure he does things right. We laugh about that. But how often do we do that? Well, what if God doesn't? Let me just tell you right now. If you relinquish whatever to God, you give it to him. I promise you, he's got a better plan and ability than you do to get out of that mess and make it holy and what you really want it to be. Are you with me? This is a big deal. This is a big, big, big deal. It really, really, really is. So they go on and, and they, Moses leads them almost to the promised land. I'm still trying to figure out why, God, why Moses didn't get in there. I read all the theologians. The theologians all tell me why. I ain't figured that one out yet. I apologize. I'm not the greatest theologian in the world. Um, but the bottom line is I've never really figured that one out. You know what I'm saying? But he turns it over to Joshua. Joshua leads them into the promised land. All right, across the river into the promised land. All right, into where there's a land of milk and honey. And he gives them power and he gives them grace. And they're going across the river. And the people in this huge city of Jericho, their hearts are already melting in fear. Isn't that cool stuff? Listen, I don't know about you, but I want to walk in the power of God. Because when I have a, an enemy, whether it be person or material, I want my enemy to melt in fear. People tell me I'm intimidating. And you know what I tell them? Good. Well, he's mean. No, I'm not. I'm just mean to sinful people who just want their little spoiled way. Are you listening to me? You want to walk in the power of God. You want to walk with a backbone. You want to walk with a focus. You want to walk in a vision. You want to know, like he promised Joshua, everywhere you're the sole of your footsteps, I have given to you and there ain't nothing they're going to do about it. 
every time something comes, when the state comes against us, whatever, I do this, I smile at them. You're about to get a whooping. Oh, but we're more powerful than you. Really? Who do you think put you there? I, I, don't, I don't be, I'm not mean to them. I just know you come against the people of God, the army of God. You're about to, we're about to break out a bottle of whooping and you're about to get on, get, get on it. Yeah. Amen. I want you to hear that. I want you to understand that. I want you to walk that way. I want you to think that way. I don't want you to walk around in fear. You know, oh, I fear COVID. Why? God's in control of COVID. Oh, I fear these communists. Why? God's in control of the communists. Okay? And let me tell you something. There are a lot of communists around right now. Okay? Very important. Don't fear. Fear no one. God's in control. You don't have to worry about them. Unless you decide to make a covenant with them. Unless you decide to kind of connect with them. Very important stuff. Look at the first um, verses of Judges 2. The angel of the Lord went up from Gilgal, which is exactly where they were supposed to be when they entered the promised land. That's the first place they went. He went, the Lord went, uh, the angel of the Lord went from Gilgal to Bokim, where they weren't supposed to be. Everybody getting this? I brought you up out of Egypt and led you into the land that I swore to you, and I gave it to your forefathers. Young people, new Christians, Hear this. God Almighty has done a great work. Don't take your eyes off it. The land I swore to give your forefathers, I said, okay, I know this isn't the Super Bowl, but it should be more exciting than the Super Bowl. Okay, now that politics especially has taken over the Super Bowl, all right? That has nothing to do with the sermon. Listen to what he says now. Are you listening? Everybody listening? I will never break my covenant with you. Y'all didn't hear. I will never break my covenant with you. No matter what. Was that a screen? I will never, ever, ever stop loving you. I will never, ever, ever not be faithful to you. I will never, ever, ever remove my vision of all I created you to be. I will never, ever, ever stop empowering you and gifting you and providing for you for you to be that person and to do what I created you to do. I will never, ever, ever break my covenant with you. Somebody ought to be standing up like the old-fashioned folk, waving a hanky, running around going, Woo! You've got to understand, there is no greater statement in the world 
that that God Almighty, no matter how goofy or sinful we might be, he will never break the covenant. Never. When I do something stupid and sinful, I know that's hard for you to believe. Little joke. I want you to understand, the first thing that comes to my mind is, you're worthless. God doesn't love you anymore. You're you're not worth spit. You're, You're awful. Anybody else struggle with that? But we've got to remember, we've got to look back at Satan's face and say, no, 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 back up, son. My God will never break his covenant with me. Oh, so pastor, you mean we can just be sinful? It doesn't matter. You could be sinful and break the covenant with God yourself. Therefore, break his blessing. Break his power in your life. Break his empowering in your life. That's on you. But God will never stop loving you. God will never stop wanting to invest in you. God will never stop wanting to inculcate his spirit and his glory and his wisdom and his love and his power in you. Ain't that good stuff? You know, I I get paid more, so we're going to preach a little more. But the bottom line is, that's that's worth the ticket for today. Amen? That's powerful, powerful, powerful stuff. I will never break my covenant with you. And you shall not make a covenant with the people of this land. Aren't you so thankful we've never done that? That was a joke. But folks, we've got to be very, very careful of this. We've got to be careful that we don't covenant with the people around us and begin to worship at the same altars they do. Amen? I was thinking a couple of days ago when I was thinking about this sermon, I was thinking about the great relationship I and we have with our neighbors. And none of our neighbors I would consider believers at this point um, they're good people. I love them. They're great neighbors. Man, if I was down, there ain't nothing they wouldn't do for me. And there ain't nothing I wouldn't do for them. I got a couple of ladies that are married next to me and I got this other, these other things there. One's part of a huge thing that uh, they, it's a religion that they call a church. And, and I mean, there's, there's all kinds of people around me. I got people that believe in this and people believe in that. And man, they know one thing. Last winter, they were upset because the one time we had a snow and usually I get out there and I snow blow for them. I had COVID and I wasn't snow blowing for nobody right then, I'm going to be honest with you. And the next time, it was wonderful. We were flying out to Florida to my brother's house in Orlando, and we could literally see, am I, am I telling the truth, Lisa? Just so that you know I'm telling the truth. We actually saw the storm start as we were leaving. And I got back and I went, It was like winter wonderland, Jack. I mean, it was amazing. And we're about to get more. 
But you've got to understand something. I love them with all my heart. I will die for them. I pray for them every morning. I have seen no movement. And sometimes I get very frustrated with God that I have never seen any real movement there. Do you ever get frustrated about that stuff? It's hard sometimes. But you have to understand, I will never, ever worship at the same altars they worship at. I love them. I'll die for them. I want them to know the love and grace of Jesus Christ. But we will never, I will never worship at the altars they worship at. Yeah, church, you've got to understand something. The church in the last 50 years, since I've kind of been um, watching this whole thing, it has become the thing that what we're supposed to do is we're supposed to lower our biblical standards so that the world feels comfortable with us. Okay? We're supposed to kind of, kind of, you know, we don't want them not to come to church. I want them to come to church, but I couldn't care less about that. I want them to be saved. I want them to know and be rooted and grounded in the love and grace of Jesus Christ. You know, I'm never going to lower the holy biblical standards so people will come. I am never going to make people feel comfortable in their sin so they like me. I would love people to like me. Not many do, but I would love people to like me. But I don't, I don't want them to like me so much that I am willing to worship at their altars so that they think somehow we've got a connection. We don't have a connection there because the bottom line is I worship at one altar and that gives me the ability to love them, and I'm willing to die for them no matter what altar they worship at. Do you hear what I'm saying? You shall not make a covenant with the people of this land, but you shall break down their altars. Now, I don't think we're supposed to do a Gideon and go pull down their altars in their houses or something. But you can break down their altars in your own mind. Because they need to realize there's something different in you. I worship one holy God. And that makes me into a new holy person. And if I pull it off right, and if we pull it off right, and this is what the church is supposed to be all about. We will show them that being a saved, holy person is worth it. Amen? Amen? Now, if somebody comes in and tells me I got to believe this or I got to believe that or I, I got to believe this sin is okay or that sin, I will say, I love you, but you have lost your stinking mind. That's never going to happen. I will die for you. I will love you. I will be there for you. But the reality is, I'm never going to worship at that altar with you. Yet you have disobeyed me. Why have you done this? 
Now, therefore, I tell you that I will not draw. This is powerful stuff. Remember, God drove them out before them as they entered the promised land. Now he's saying, now that you're worshiping at their altars and you're rubbing elbows with them and you've become like them and you're buddies with the world, you've got to understand something. I tell you that I will not drive them out before you. Folks, I'm going to challenge you. Do you feel powerful in your life? Or are you a weenie that calls yourself a Christian? No, I just, I can't handle all those people at work. Grow up in the Lord. Nobody, nobody impacts my life other than Jesus Christ and Lisa. And if you know me, you know she impacts my life. So I might as well throw her in there. This is the other thing. And I see this in so many people's lives in church and call themselves Christians. And they, they will be thorns in your sides and their gods will be a snare to you. Folks, there are some philosophies running around. There are communities running around saying that God is wrong and, and you need to say that I'm okay and you need to say that I can do whatever I want and if you don't, I won't like you. And you know what my answer to that is? Okay. I love you. I'll die for you. But I'm never going to worship at your altar. I'm sorry, folks. Churches can become like that. Churches can become places where if you don't worship at our altar and do what we want, then then we're going to come at you and we're going to come against you. And you know what I say to that? Really? You see, that trash doesn't go on here. That garbage will never go on here as long as I'm here. And as long as the young men and women that I'm training are here. Because we know the difference between holiness and sin. When the angel of the Lord had spoken these things to all the Israelites, the people wept aloud and they called that place Bokim. Remember they weren't supposed to be there. <laughs> um, there they offered sacrifice to the Lord. After Joshua had dismissed the Israelites, they went to take possession of the land each to his own inheritance. The people served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and of the elders who outlived him and who had seen all the great things the Lord had done for Israel. Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. No, thank you. And they buried him in the land of his inheritance at Tim, Tim, Timnath. Let me help you with the pronunciation of these Old Testament. Nobody actually understands how to say these things, but if you say them with confidence, everybody thinks you do. Um, here's in the hill country, uh, um, in, Heres, in the hill country of Ephraim, uh, north of Mount Gosh. After that whole generation had been gathered to their fathers. Now listen to this part. Please listen to this part. Another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served the Baals. Baal is basically anything you want. 
You ever see the totem pole? Do you know what all those faces are about? That God is going to give me what I want, and he's going to give it to me now. There's a lot of people who call themselves Christians. They make God into a totem pole. The way they pray is, God, you're supposed to give it to me now, and you're supposed to give it to me the way I want it, and if you don't, I'm going to pout. Thank God we don't have that. Amen? They forsook the Lord, the God of their fathers, who had brought them out of Egypt. They followed and worshipped various gods of the people around them. They provoked the Lord in anger because they forsook him and served Baal and Asherah. In his anger against against Israel, the Lord handed them over to the raiders who plundered them. There's a little warning for us. He sold them to their enemies all around, whom they were no longer able to resist. Whenever Israel went out to fight, the hand of the Lord was against them to defeat them. Do you hear what he just said? It wasn't just he was just letting people come at them. His hand was against them because of the sin in their camps. Just as he had sworn to them, they were in great distress he goes on and talks about judges he raises a few judges and as long as the judges were there the people were okay and did what they were supposed to do and then all of a sudden uh, when the judge died all of a sudden they became little children again here's my message this morning number one god will never break his covenant with you but number two you have the ability to break your covenant with him. Every time you begin to worship at the altars of those around you, I love my family, I love my friends, I love you all here, but you have to understand something. I will never worship at any altar but the altar of Jesus Christ himself. And I want you to understand You've got to all be careful. We've all got to be careful that we don't begin. You see, we don't start to worship at an altar saying, wow, I want to destroy my life. Do we? Bless you. We begin worshiping at an altar saying, well, that's not that bad. God couldn't be angry about that. And all of a sudden, we begin a downward spiral to, in the end, there ain't nothing wrong with anything. We're all okay. You don't judge me. I won't judge you. We'll just sin together. And we'll live under the domination of the evil one. What I'm saying is, folks, I don't care who it is family, friend, even spouse. Sometimes we've got to step up and say, I love you, I'll die for you, but we're worshiping at different altars and the bottom line is, I ain't never worshiping at your altar. I am never, ever, ever going to go against the word of God no matter what you call me. No matter what you say, 
No matter what problem, oh, if you'll just stop, I'll come to church. No. Folks, we have a responsibility because in 10 to 20 years, I'm going to be dead. And most of you are too. Not all of you. Some are younger. And my question to you is, are we raising people up? Are we raising children and youth up that know the grace and the power of Jesus Christ and know the word of God and know how to stand by the power of God and say, to God be the glory. Everything else is second. Parents, are you raising young people who know the word of God? Are you raising young people who know how to pray because they see you pray? Are you raising young people who who know how to stand up against evil? Not like a jerk, but just that dog don't hunt and we ain't worshiping at that altar. Amen? You don't have to be angry. You don't have to be mean. You don't have to be frustrated. You know, you don't, no matter what they say, no matter what they believe, you can still love them. You don't have to break relationship just because they don't agree with you. But to love them and to lead them to Christ never means you have to lower your standard and turn from Jesus Christ and his word and worship at their altars and make a covenant with them. Because the greatest thing you could do for yourself and them is to establish your covenant with Jesus Christ alone and say whatever might come, it doesn't matter because my covenant is with him and that means I have died and he lives through me and in me and for me and the bottom line is he is first. Everyone else, I love you, but you come after that. Let's all stand. Father, help us to examine our hearts. Help us to examine our minds. Lord, help us to examine our lives. Are we worshiping at your altar Have we made an absolute death covenant with you? Or are we just kind of trying to fudge and be liked, be nice? It doesn't work. Because eventually what will happen is we and those that are coming up behind us will follow the gods of Baals and Ashereth. And I pray in the name of Jesus Christ for every person here that we would realize the responsibility we have to lead each other and to lead the young persons, the young people you place in this church to the very center of your glory and your word and your holiness and eventually paradise. Thank you, Father. In your name we pray and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week.